Welcome to Moving Pictures, first episode. I'm your co-host, Zach. Um, if you don't know the concept of the podcast, basically me and Sean, who you'll obviously hear from later, going through the year's releases, uh, looking for great films. Today, episode one, I'm doing Pirates of Caribbean 4, which is re- obviously really new. It's good that we got that up. Limitless, which isn't as new, shame, but, you know, covering that. And then Sean is doing, uh, what's he doing? Attack the Block with Nick Frost, quite a small British film. And he's doing Hannah with Saoirse Ronan. Apologies for Sean mispronouncing her name. Uh, yeah, basically, if you didn't see last week's, by the way, we did, because this is the first official episode, because obviously we weren't doing the podcast all year, a few films were released that we considered great, so we did a sort of episode zero, unofficial, covering the films that we hadn't covered because the podcast didn't exist at the time those films were released. So we did, I'll just tell you what they are, because obviously, you know, it's, it's hardly a big surprise. We covered The King's Speech, which is obviously awesome, favourite film of the year. Personally, True Grit, Sean's favourite film of the year. We did The Fighter, which I thought, we both thought was great. Never Let Me Go, which Sean insisted on putting on. I'm not necessarily a huge fan. Blue Valentine, which I put on. And the other one was 127 Hours, which we always forget about, which is a shame, because we both loved it. Go back, check that out. Look forward to today's podcast. Music will be from some bands that I have not decided yet. Thank you. Enjoy the podcast. Uh, here doing Pirates 4 review. Uh, it came out a, th- a few days ago. It was one of the biggest releases. It was the biggest release of the week, definitely. It's going to be one of the bigger releases of the year, I'd guess. Because if you look at the second one, Dead Man's Chest, which is the worst one. I mean, it's just a silly film. It's one of the highest grossing films ever, as far as I know. So these films always do well. Only the first one was actually good. I mean, everyone likes the first one, really. Because it was pretty cool just to see a pirate film, because they don't make pirate films that much. Well, they, they make more now, obviously. And this is apparently going to be the start of a new trilogy, which I think is stupid, because if you look at all trilogies, pretty much every single trilogy, the first one of the trilogy is always considered one of, if not the best one. If you look at The Godfather, the first two Godfathers, people can't really choose between the first two Alien films. People can't really choose between... Most people say Toy Story 1 is the best. I don't, personally. Uh, Even Star Wars, A New Hope, because the first one is always the beginning. It's always quite revolutionary. It's always the first taste you get of a trilogy. And if this is the beginning of another trilogy of these pirate films, it's really not going to go well. Because usually it goes, the first one's the best, second one is slightly worse, the third one is terrible. So if this is the beginning of a trilogy, the third one in this will be like the worst film ever. It's not that bad. I'll go over the, It obviously stars uh, Johnny Depp, Jack Sparrow, Jeffrey Rush is back as Barbosa, Penelope Cruz is in there. You know, there's a few more people not worth getting into. Uh, the story is basically all the characters, whether it's Sparrow, uh, Barbosa, the Blackbeard is thrown in as a character. There's the Spanish army, are one of the primary characters. They're all trying to get to the Fountain of Youth for various cryptic and confusing reasons that no one really understands. And none of them, re- you know, it's just, it doesn't need to be that confusing. No one cares about the story because the story's rubbish. I mean, even in the first pirate film, it was quite a silly story. The reason I liked it more than I like this, because the second one's got all those squid people things, it's just stupid. And then the third one has that giant goddess black lady, which is just a silly storyline. The first one was good, because they really made it seem like, obviously, the, the Black Pool is the first one, and it's got all those uh, zombie pirate people. 
The reason it was quite good and believable, even though it's supernatural, and I don't think these films should have supernatural elements in them, the reason I like the first one is that they built it up so that you did think, right, the Black Pearl is this magical ship, and it's the only thing in the world where all these crazy, weird, supernatural things happen. And it really built it up as if the Black Pearl was special, and it was some sort of magical boat. And then as the films progress, you realise that pretty much everything these pirates do is somehow magical and supernatural. So it completely devalues the Black Pearl. And then the second one is the worst one, because it's just so long, nothing of note happens. There's all those squids, which are just disgusting. And the reason it's also... The first one's good. You've got Jack Sparrow, everyone loves, charismatic protagonist. Then you've got Barbosa, who is a dick in the first one. He's quite scary, he's got a big beard, no one likes beards. Then in the second one, they sort of team up. And it's just, it's like you've completely ruined the villain-hero relationship. The second one I, is just awful. The third one is, it's really stupid, it's all over the place. But it's moderately entertaining. This one is better than the first, better than the second one and the third one. Nowhere near as good as the first one, because it's still just stupid. The story makes no sense. Okay, I'll start with the story. <clears throat> first of all, <laughs> no one cares about the Fountain of Youth. Even the characters don't seem to care about the Fountain of Youth. There's only really one character in the whole film, Blackbeard, who has a reason for going to the Fountain of Youth. Everyone else is either going because someone else is telling them to, or because they're trying to help someone else, or for reasons you just don't really understand. That's silly. The other thing is all the supernatural elements. There's mermaids, which is just stupid storyline. There's, uh, there's a Blackbeard has like a magical sword that controls his boat. Stupid. It's just silly. Okay, no, it doesn't need to be this silly, and it doesn't need to be this confusing because people aren't going to see it for the story. Let's be honest with ourselves. People are really only going to see it for Jack Sparrow's character, and I like Barbosa's character. I think they're both quite entertaining. They do some funny shtick. I, I do find it amusing. I don't care about the story, so they, they know no one cares about the story. They don't care about the story. They may as well make the story quite simple and easy to follow. What they've done here is, it's so confusing, there's so much to pay attention to, there's so many plots. Like, characters do things that they just wouldn't do. It makes no sense. Really bothers me. <clears throat> Excuse me. As you can tell, I'm not necessarily a big fan of the film, because I'm supposed to be looking at these films in the perspective of if they're a great film, and this definitely isn't a great film, it's not even close to being a good film, but if you find uh, Jack Sparrow amusing, which most people do, it's really not hard to watch, it's quite a fun, I guess it was about two hours, I can't really remember the specific times, but I mean, it's, it's really, like, they really could do better than this, considering the money, considering the star power, considering the potential the first one had, I mean, it just doesn't need to be this shit. Because <laughs> it is shit, at the end of the day. Like I said, it, me and my, I went to see it with some of my friends, and we were just laughing inappropriately because the, th the characters just do stupid things that makes no sense. It's full of plot holes, not huge plot holes, but like little things that don't make sense and that wouldn't actually happen. I'm aware none of it would happen. It's a fictional universe, but still, I mean, when you watch it, you know what I mean. The other thing is the, the bloody mermaids, right? There's all these mermaids. And they, they don't even really follow the mythology of mermaids properly, which I won't bother getting into because I don't, like, fully understand mermaid mythology. I'm not, like, a mermaid expert. But I'm sure it's not accurate. And they, they, they run this really terrible... Because, obviously, they got rid of, um, Hero Knightley. They got rid of Orlando Bloom, which is a good call because they were really, really boring in the films. And they've realised now, oh, no, we haven't got a romantic angle because they sort of try and run a Jack Sparrow, Penelope Cruz... Or should I say Johnny Depp, Penelope Cruz 
romantic angle, but they don't really follow it through. So they thought, right, we need to have two characters that will kiss because films need to have kisses. People like this sort of thing. So what they've done is they thought, right, mermaids, sexy women with sort of fish legs. We'll forget about the fish legs because fish legs aren't very sexy. So what we'll do is we'll take the mermaid and we'll, we'll run a storyline where somehow she gets legs again, which is bollocks. And then she starts sort of going out with this priest and it's like, if you're a priest or whatever he is, would you be, you know, having sexual relationships with people? Better yet, would you be having sexual relationships with a mermaid? Probably not. And no one cares about these characters because they're so boring. And no one cares about the relationship and any sort of hardships that they're faced with. Literally, you don't care about. The other thing, <laughs> I'm going off on one now, is they, they meet each other, right? The mermaid and the priest. They meet each other for literally about, obviously in the film time, not real life time, literally about an hour or two they know each other, and then they're like in love and they're sacrificing each other, their lives for each other, and it's just stupid. And like, I, no one cared at all about, you can tell just the noises in the cinema, no one cared about that storyline, all those characters. Nobody really cared about Blackbeard, he was not a good villain, he wasn't uh, fearsome, no one was scared of him. He just looked like, firstly, he looked like Keith Richards, which is a problem, because Keith Richards is in it again, another cameo, as Jack Sparrow's dad. And he looks too much like Keith Richards. So you get really confused. <laughs> and the other thing is that he hasn't even got a black beard. <laughs> He's got a grey beard. Jack Sparrow's beard is significantly blacker than Blackbeard's. I know that's not a big problem, but it did annoy me a little bit. So basically, I, yeah, I, I won't keep going because, I mean, I, the other thing, <laughs> okay, I will keep going for a little bit. Barbosa. They, they obviously thought, right, we need something for Barbosa to do, because he, people like Barbosa, he's one of the primary characters, but he doesn't actually fit into this storyline at all. So the way they get Barbosa into the story is really, really badly done. It's like they just fill you in with events that have apparently happened since the last film, that have never been alluded to previously, and have never been referenced, and probably will never be referenced again, apart from the fact that he's now got one leg. It's like they thought, right, we need some more pirate, because they got rid of... Uh, they sort of got rid of the monkey, you know, Jack the monkey, who's always on Barbosa's shoulder. And they thought, right, we need something to make him look like a pirate again. Even though he obviously looks like a pirate, because it's a film full of pirates. We need something piratey and something generic to put on Barbosa to make him look more like a pirate. Let's give him a peg leg. Stupid. It's quite funny. Okay, I'll, I'll, there, there are a few positives. It's quite funny. It, it is moderately entertaining. If you go in not expecting anything serious, which you, you won't. I mean, you're not going to go in expecting this to be some sort of narrative phenomenon. Then, you know, you'll probably enjoy yourself. It's not that bad. But it is quite dull. It isn't very interesting. It has, like, no substance. And it's really not great at all. It's the second best one, but that really doesn't say anything because the second one is just awful. And the third one is just stupid. This one is sort of, it's not awful, but it's not good. And it's stupid, but it's not that stupid. But it's not really very good. So yeah, thank you. Uh, we've got some more reviews coming. See you in a bit. Pirates of the Caribbean 4, not great, really, at all. It's alright, but it's, it's no. Just d don't bother. If you like Jack Sparrow, you may as well watch it. But you probably won't enjoy yourself that much. Just go watch Rango.
So Hannah is a new um, film directed by um, Joe Wright, who I, again, I don't think I've seen any of his films. He did Atonement, which I think Sarisa Ronan is also in, because of course this film stars Sarisa Ronan, she is very much the cornerstone of the film. Um, but again, I haven't seen her in anything either, and I feel really bad about that. I've heard that she is very good, but this was the first thing I actually got a chance to see her in, and I have to admit that yes, she is marvellous. Also has Kate Blanchett in it, who's obviously in the um, in the Lord of the Rings films. I, I, again, I feel really bad because I haven't really seen her in much either. I'm really making a fool of myself by admitting all this stuff. Um, and Eric Banner stars as well. Um, the film is about a, um, a father and her and his daughter who are living in sort of a remote uh, destination, and she is trained to be a ruthless assassin, and she's. Uh, very highly skilled. She's able to um, hunt and gather, and she's you know can kill with extreme efficiency. And she, you know that all that is 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 all that happens. And then she decides that she's ready to go and see the real world because she's never experienced any of the real world before. And she she leaves her father to um, meet him in Germany. But first she is sent to kill Kate Blanchett's character, which doesn't Kate Blanchett. I don't know what I said it's like that. Um, to kill her character, which uh, doesn't quite work out, and then she's then on the run, and so is um, Eric Banner's character, and that that's basically the film. This is this is one of the problems that I have with it, which I'll come on to in a minute. First of all, though, I've got a lot of good things to say about Hannah. I thought Hannah was really, really, really good. I heard a lot of um, people telling me that it was disappointing and that it wasn't actually as good as the trailer made it out to be. I completely disagree. I think Hannah was was just it was just such a good film. The um, the action scenes were very, very good. Um, the, the 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 score, and I would I, like I, I feel like I should point this out, even though I would never um, use the score as an excuse. That sounds very pretentious as an excuse to um, say whether a film is good or not. But the score is done by the Chemical Brothers, who I'm a big fan of anyway, and it is one of the best scores I have ever heard. The, the music in it is is very, very good. Um, I actually like to hear if anybody has um, some scores that they that they think are particularly good. I mean, I know the Social Network score. Is great, and um, what was it the, the the score for True Romance by Hans Zimmer? That's another one of my favourites. Um, but this this score is is just it, the music is really good. I, I was I couldn't find it on Spotify. Um, Sarita Ronan's um, you know performance is just very very. It beats Haley Steinfeld's performance in True Grit, I think, and I've considered True Grit a great film, and. Um, you know, and I, 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 much of that rode on on Haley Steinfeld's performance. Who, you know, Serena's performance in this is better, and the the plot is just so good. It just feels like one of those um, sort of old sort of action films, which are really sort of over the top and cheesy, almost almost B film esque, and it's it, but it's just, but it's just done so well. I mean, the opening and ending shot, which I obviously I can't reveal too much about that because it will give away the ending, is um, you know, works very well. Um, the all the performances. A few people saying that Kate Blanchett's performance isn't isn't very good, but I, I I again I disagree. I think the performance is is great. And apparently her accent fluctuates. I just did not notice that at all when I watched it. Um, and it's just it's just really fun. That that's what's so good about it. It's just a really fun and an exciting film. Um, where you, where you just have this badass uh, assassin running around killing people. <laughs> you know that that's basically it. But again, in that is a problem that I do have. The film I noticed by the end did sort of feel like 
there was just a lot of running around going on, just lots of shots of people running and you know, of of you know, Suisse running running away and or, or Eric Banner running away, and you know that those got you know if if it got to a point where I noticed that happening, then it clearly was in there a little bit too much. It, it did begin to feel a little bit repetitive, um, where you had. Um, just, you know, Cerisa Ronan would run to one place, then she would get attacked, then she would have to run away. You know, all these films are beginning to feel a little bit too constructed and a little bit too predictable. But, I mean, that that's, that, that I'm sort of, I'm nitpicking when I say that, because I do think the film was, was you know, very, very, I mean, great film material. I, I'm very tempted to say it's great film material. This is why I want to leave it until Zach has seen Hannah, and then I'll let, and then I'll decide, because... This film it comes very, very close to being great film material. I cannot, crit you know, not criticize. I cannot compliment this film um, enough because it, it's just, it's just, it's just so fun and it's exciting and you know you really sort of get into it. Um, another thing that I have here, people saying, is that the twelve A certificate means that they had to they had to get rid of a lot of the violence. Now I'm not like super for violence or anything, but I do think the film probably would have been better if it was fifteen and there had been a little bit more violence in it. I do think that would have helped it somewhat, but I mean, again, I'm nitpicking because this film is is just, it's just awesome. I'll definitely be checking out a lot more Cerise Ronan stuff from now on. Definitely, I'll be going through her back catalogue because she, you know, she she's she's definitely one to watch. Uh, Limitless stars Bradley Cooper, Robert De Niro, and Abby Cornish. The idea is basically Bradley Cooper is a sort of writer. And he's one of these writers that only yeah, they always exist in films. They're basically deadbeats. They live in small apartments. They seem to do nothing all day. They're always horribly unclean. They always have beards. It kind of annoys me because in my experience and most people's experience, if you're trying to write something and you have the writer's block, you usually do everything in your power to not write. And that involves cleaning your house, shaving... So, you know, these people don't... I, I, I find it difficult to believe that these writers exist. Anyway, the point is, Bradley Cooper's this struggling writer. His life's going nowhere. And he bumps into... I think it's, it's something like his ex-wife's brother, who used to deal drugs. And he now has this super drug, which basically unlocks all of your brain's potential. You take this drug, you can learn to play instruments incredibly fast, you're incredibly efficient and intelligent. The main thing it does... Is there any piece of information you've ever seen, heard, or read, or, or seen, or anything, becomes instantly available to you. So you're basically in incredibly intelligent and efficient. He takes this drug and basically becomes a new man. His life starts picking up. He starts getting into the stock market. But then eventually, obviously, there are side effects and things start to fall apart. What is interesting is... It's in essence a drug film, right? In the same way Requiem for a Dream is a drug film. And they do the same thing in that they do a lot of different uh, camera... Like this, they use uh, colour saturation, uh, different frame rates, stuff like that. They always focus on the eyes in order to convey the effects of being on drugs. But it's the other way around. In, in Requiem for a Dream, the um, Darren Aronofsky film, obviously they're on heroin and everything's incredibly gritty and grotty and disgusting and their lives are just horrible whereas in this when he takes this drug everything's brighter everything's clearer everything looks better so that's quite an interesting twist but the main 
premise is that it is basically a simple drug film in that it starts off he starts taking this drug everything's amazing everything's great then eventually he starts realizing things are falling apart and in the end he starts doing despicable things in order to stay on the drugs it is good uh, obviously the point of the podcast is to look for great films it's not a great film because it basically it, it's a good concept it's a good idea and it's a good usage of that idea but it is just that one idea it's basically all about this one concept what if this drug unlocks your brain uh, you know there's there's not an awful lot of character development or anything not a lot happens like everything that happens in the film that's good happens in about half an hour and then it's kind of repeated over and over again why is quite interesting is obviously bradley cooper is in like he's in the hangover he was obviously face in um the a team which it wasn't very good but he is quite a good He's basically quite a new, sort of young, handsome, charismatic actor. And it is interesting that in the beginning, you know, he's got long hair, he's got this sort of longish beard, he doesn't dress very well. And then about 20 minutes in, he starts taking this drug, and then he basically becomes Bradley Cooper, this on screen persona that he's developed. So it is good casting. It was initially Shia LaBeouf, <laughs> uh, who is obviously terrible in everything. So it's lucky they recast him. So that's quite interesting. Uh, De Niro's not in the film very much, so, you know, he doesn't bring a lot. He's good in it, obviously, as De Niro, but he doesn't have a lot of potential to be great. Abby Cornish is very underwhelming. I actually really like Abby Cornish. She's she's done a lot of... She is Australian, and I've seen her in a few of these sort of really small Australian films. I say small. They're small on a worldwide basis. I mean, they were obviously incredibly successful in Australia. So she's good, but overall, the film is definitely good. I would say, it's basically, like I said, it's all about that one simple concept. If you like that concept, if you think that concept looks interesting, the film probably won't disappoint you. I have another problem, which I can't really go into, but I sort of have ethical issues with the ending, and obviously I can't go into it in detail because it's spoilers. Also, the ending is, is slightly abrupt because, you know, they do all this build-up, 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 and then it just sort of happens really fast and really abruptly. Wasn't a huge fan of that. But these are all issues that aren't really going to affect anything because, you know, it's not really a story character-driven film. It's mainly about that one idea, and it is a good idea. And, uh, it, you know, I thought, like, 40 minutes in, I thought, how are they going to stretch this out anymore? There's, like, an hour left. There's no way they can stretch this out. But they do, and you can tell they're stretching it out. You think, right, this is one idea that, you know, sort of only just is able to make it feature-length. But it is good. I'm not going to, you know, diss the film like I dissed Pirates of the Caribbean. I still like Limitless. It's not a great film, but, you know, there hasn't exactly been a huge amount of good stuff this year. So it's it's probably one of the better films I've seen this year. But it's not up there with our great films list. So, yeah, that's Limitless. Right, Attack the Block is a uh, new comedy horror sci-fi from, brought to us from Joe Cornish, who I don't, I, hasn't really done much else. Um... It's starring a mostly unknown cast, uh, with Nick Frost playing quite a small role uh, in it, who's obviously from Hot Fuzz and Shaun of the Dead and stuff like that, which are really funny comedies. Uh, it's got Jodie Whittaker in it, who who deserves a mention, even though I haven't really seen her in much. Uh, she's the main sort of female character, and she is, you know, a very important uh, part of the film. Uh, the the film is about an alien invasion, which happens in uh, South London, and the sort of a teen gang there. Who um, are trying to fight them off, and it feels very Shaun of the Dead, uh, only in South London with these sort of uh, sort of hoodlums, um, and that is very funny. Uh, you, you you've um, 
so yeah, and the plot sort of gets as, as silly as you would expect it to get um, by, by the, uh, throughout the course of the film. The, the, but one of the problems with the film is that um, the main drawing point, humour-wise, is the fact that these kids in South London sort of talk uh, in, the, in the way that we've seen in films like Another Hood, which has come out recently, which is a comedy which also looks like it does that, although I haven't actually had a chance to see it. Um, and you have, uh, you know, uh, adulthood and kiddlehood, and you have them talking with this sort of South London dialect, which I won't try attempt to um, emulate because I'll fail miserably. And the the problem that I have with the film is that that is that is essentially the main gag. The main gag throughout the whole film is that these kids talk like that. Only it's an alien invasion, and that in itself isn't funny. This is the problem. When you have kids. You'd have like really dramatic music, and then you would just have one of them go like trust or something, and before they do something ridiculous, that the, the, the Joe Cornish or you know who wrote the script doesn't seem to understand that 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 in in of itself isn't funny. It needs to be put in some sort of context, and he does actually do this with one of the characters played by uh, Luke Treadaway, who plays Brewis. Um, he's sort of a, a really posh white uni student who's trying to fit in with all these um, you know these these hoods, and. Uh, and you know he fails miserably at it, and that is putting that in context, and it makes it funny. Um, that doesn't mean to say though that, that the uh, that, uh, and he gets no he gets no uh, no showtime in the trailer at all. This character, and he he was definitely by far the funniest part of the film. Um, not not that doesn't mean to say that there aren't some quotable bits in the film. Um, I mean, the film does have some very funny bits, um, but most of which are in the trailer. I should say. Uh, I think basically with this film, if you like the look of the trailer, you will, you know that that is the trailer does a good job at, at telling you exactly what to expect from the film. Um, but if like me, you had some reservations about it and thought that maybe after about sort of twenty minutes, that the the, uh, the fact that these kids all talk in this really common slang and stuff, you know, is is going to get old. Then yeah, it does get old. Uh, that that was a problem. That that was a very serious problem with the film. You also had as well the fact that um, in terms of the plot of the film. There were a lot of characters in it that just didn't need to be in the film, like the female characters. You've got sort of you've got this gang of these um, these these boys, and you've got a gang of these girls, and the girls just didn't really need to be um, in 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 the film at all. They added nothing to the film. But basically, the film turned into um, this gang run from one flat to another flat, and then they have a little fight, and then they, there's some gags, and then they run to another flat, and then they have a fight, and there's some gags, and it did feel like it was getting quite repetitive by the end, and everything everything was just happening as an excuse to get them to the next gag, which is something that doesn't happen in something like Shaun of the Dead, where um, they have a clear sort of... The, the plot actually makes sense. I mean, Shaun of the Dead is, is one of these horror comedy films which I would consider great. If you hear background noise, please just try to ignore it. Um, which I would consider great, because with that film, the plot also works very, very well. I mean, you've got... Um, you know, that, that has... Um, obviously, the plot of Shaun of the Dead, everyone has probably seen Shaun of the Dead, it's quite a popular film. Uh, they go first to his mum's, then they go to the pub. No, they, they go first to his girlfriend's, then they go to his mum's, then they go to the pub. Uh, which, all of those decisions make sense. There's a part in this where they go to the, the gang of girls' houses just because they've got a secure, like a, like a, like a metal gate in front, of the, in front of the door, which I think is supposed to be a gag, but it doesn't work very well because they've introduced like four or five girl characters just for that to happen, and it doesn't really make sense. Um, you know, and and that that they, those characters just felt that they just didn't need to be in the film at all. Um, 
yeah, I, I kind of feel like I'm bashing the film a little bit too much because I, I, I don't want to make the film seem like it's bad because it's not by any means a bad film. It's just it, 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 there are things that something like Shaun of the Dead does which this doesn't, which prevents it from being great and being added to the great films list. Um, you know, but the the film is is fun. It is you know it 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 is funny. I don't want to say that it isn't funny because I did laugh a few times. Um, but the trailer sort of sort of tells you everything you need to know. Talk